This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Hey everyone, uh, we're going to do something a little different this month. Um, the episodes that we'll be posting this month will largely be focused on buyer feedback and how to make mo- how to make the most out of your program that your your win loss program that you're running, be it with primary intelligence or someone else, or if you're just running it internally, we're going to tr- give you try and give you some some helpful tips and tricks some insights on how to uh, get more from your win loss program. And today, I'm really excited because we're going to bring someone on who usually hides behind the camera, right? She's usually behind the scenes of the podcast. Johnny Anderson, our product marketing manager here at Primary Intelligence. Johnny, welcome to your show that you produce. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, this is a cool experience. Yeah, usually I'm, I'm on, but I'm usually like on mute and, you know, you can't see my video, but yeah, I, I'm really happy to be here with you. Just, just as a heads up, everyone, uh, Johnny's usually the person behind the scenes, you know, instant messaging me, you know, wildly <laughs> correcting me if I'm if I'm being inappropriate, pulling me back. She is all the good, all the good things uh, in the world. So this is going to be a fun episode. Okay, so like I said, Johnny, this month we're going to be focused on the tactical parts of running a win loss program. We typically focus on providing actual insights to our customers. Uh, that that's like the purpose of the win loss program at, at primary intelligence and each episode this month will focus on different ways you can use win loss insights to help you become the champion for your organization now now johnny you have a pretty you know not pretty you have a very interesting topic that you want to cover today before we get into the topic however uh i want to give you a chance i want you know who are you? Who is the wizard behind the curtain, Miss Johnny Anderson? Tell us yeah. about yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'm Johnny. I'm the product marketing manager here at Primary Intelligence. Um, so I've been here for about just a little over a year and a half. Um, mm. And before that, I worked as a marketing manager at a previous company. And before that, I was really more involved kind of in the client success side. Um, I was the director of client success at a a previous company. So um, I definitely come more from like that, like customer success type type background. And I moved into a marketing role because it was something I was really interested in. in. Um, And, you know, since being at PI, I've moved into a product marketing role. So I really have a, a love for helping our customers get the most out of their program. And I think product marketing kind of marries, you know, the marketing side, but also, you know, I get to be involved with CX. I get to be involved with sales, um, product, you know, all of that. So that's a little bit about my career path. Um, I'm based in Utah. I am a mom to two little girls and, um, yeah, I, that's, that's a little bit about me. So, um, by the way, your family is about the cutest there is oh. on planet earth. I mean, you see the pictures, you're like, come on, come yeah. on. Oh, uh, so aside from having a beautiful family, you, uh, also engage in, um, other fun activities. Um, uh, and I think I before the, before we started recording the show, I think you started to share with me what you did this last weekend. 
you yeah. did. Uh, it was, uh, what, what was it again? What, what did you participate in? I, yeah, I went to, so I love live events. I'll just, I'm going to throw that out there. And when I, any first, live event doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Really. I mean like festivals, concerts, like I really enjoy being with other people. I'm very extroverted. So, okay. yeah. um, and I really kind of live by that mantra, like experiences are greater than things. Right. So, um, this past weekend, my husband and I actually went to Comic-Con, uh, in Salt Lake. So there's, it's, it's a really good event, really great environment, really fun to like, you know, see all the people dressed up and see all the different like artists that are there and their celebrity panels. And, and so it's a, it's a good time. Yeah. It's a great time. So, yeah. um, was there a particular, um, uh, you know, uh, comic interest? Was there, was there somebody you wanted yeah. to see or your husband wanted to see what, what was the driver? Yeah. So, I mean, there were some really great people there. Um, probably the most exciting person for me that I, I was able to see was Ski Ulrich, who was in Scream, right? We're getting in, into October. Um, well, by the time this episode releases, we'll be in October, right? So I'm, I'm a big fan of Halloween, like kind of those 80 slasher movies. So yeah. So he was really awesome to see. Oh man. 80 slasher movies. <laughs> I, Freddy Krueger freaked me out when I was oh, a kid. Yeah. I, when I was little, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street with my friend at a sleepover and it, oh, no. I, it was awesome. Yeah. I still have nightmares. Okay. So Johnny, <laughs> beyond, beyond who you are, thank you for sharing who you are. Tell us about our topic. What are we talking about today? What did you want to bring to the table? Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is going to be a topic that our, not only our customers, but anyone who might be interested in running a win-loss program is going to be pretty interested in. So you know, I internally, right, I am involved with our go to market strategy, I'm involved with um, our own internal win loss analysis program for our deals. And I'm really, you know, working to align sales marketing product CX, and I work really closely with sales. So one thing that I've been seeing over the past couple months, um, not only internally, but with our customers and in the market is the power and effect that buyer feedback has on sales coaching. And so I'm really excited. We're going to dive into this today, go over some really great like tips and tactics on why this is important. So yeah, excited to jump in. So, so this is actually a, a topic that the, you and I are both equally stoked on. Mm -hmm. uh, Win-loss analysis by itself is, is fantastic, but really where you start to get return is when you start yeah. to introduce this idea of sales coaching, using data for sales coaching. Mm -hmm. So help me understand this. I want to understand your perspective. Why, why should sales coaches even care about buyer feedback, win-loss analysis and buyer feedback? Yeah. Yeah. So I think like kind of taking it back a step, I think that most sellers realize the importance of understanding your buyers, right? They realize it. They know, you know, you have to understand a buyer's needs, what they care about, um, how you talk to them. But I think a lot of B2B organizations, they kind of lack a structure and, and a method for tapping into buyer feedback. And, you know, this is solved with win-loss analysis, right? Like this is why we do what we do. For those organizations that do study past deals and they collect buyer feedback for their wins and their losses and their no decisions, I think there's a huge opportunity for sales coaches to leverage that buyer feedback to help their reps really, you know, understand how they can win more. You know, I'm going to preface this with, you know, like you, you should be using conversational intelligence. You should be shadowing calls. You should be looking at win rates. But I think as far as data sources are concerned, your buyer feedback, it's going to get you the most unbiased look into why you're winning and losing, right? It's, it's a raw data source that you can look at and you can really leverage it. Um, 
And, you know, what, if you've been following the podcast or following us on LinkedIn, you may have remembered a report that we've talked about before, but it, it talks about how in this recent study, right, 36% of losing vendors, they could have won a deal by making a change within the, the evaluation process, right? Buyers are, are telling these losing vendors this. And most often those buyers describe missteps in the sales process or experience as the reason for lost business, right? Even above price or product features, you know, but when you ask a sales rep, right, they're, they're often going to blame their losses on something out of their control, right? So maybe it's, you know, our price was too high. We were missing a product feature. We couldn't compete against a competitor in, in this, that, or the other. And you know, based on this study, that's that's not necessarily the case, right? Like the rep may have actually had more control over this deal outcome than they thought. And so, you know, when this disconnect, right, between why sales reps think they lose and why they really lose according to their buyers, this is a scary place, right? This is where the revenue is lost. This is where the deals are lost. And so I think- or quotas as, are hit or missed. Exactly, right. Yes. So I think as, as sales coaches, right, we have this opportunity to look at buyer feedback and say, okay, where can my reps be doing better, right? And how can I empower my reps to do better? And I think when you empower that frontline sales rep, you know, it, it only gets better from there. When you empower the individual and when you win as an individual, you win as an organization. So to answer your question, I mean, like, sales coaches should care about buyer feedback because that's who you're selling to, right? Like that is, it's the actual experience with your buyer and your buyers are going to tell you how to win more. And sales coaches can leverage that to, you know, really create better coaching experiences for your reps. Yeah. I want to unpack something uh, toward, towards the beginning of your, of your response to my question. You mentioned that sales coaches should be doing the other things that they're already doing, such as yeah. leveraging conversational intelligence, shadowing, uh, shadowing calls, uh, looking at win rates, those types of things. Um, but the buyer feedback, why, uh, why not just look at one or the other? Why not just look at the buyer feedback? Why include conversational intelligence? By the way, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. I think this is <laughs> absolutely imperative, but why? Yeah. Tell me why. Yeah, I think it's really important to be able to see multiple perspectives around why you win and lose, right? Like when you're looking at buyer feedback, you're getting the buyer's perspective, right? Um, but when you're looking at like the conversational intelligence or you are shadowing calls or, you know, whatever, like the buyer feedback is going to tell you after the fact how, how that deal went, right? And it's going to tell you that buyer's perception. Um, but by, you know, using conversational intelligence or listening into those calls, you're able to see the actual sales interactions, right? And you are able to see the intelligence around the sales interactions, which I think are also important, right? And I think that the two data sources, they go hand in hand, right? So, um, and, and ultimately they should kind of back each other up in a lot of ways. So you're getting this more complete picture of our, you know, what's going on in your deal universe. So I, I would use both for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and we've gone as far as, uh, no, we, I think primary intelligence as a whole mm -hmm. um, agrees with this wholeheartedly so much so that we've integrated with Gong, right? Exactly. So yeah. we have a Gong integration where you can get the front end 
and then the the buyer feedback on the back end. Okay, so mm-hmm. let, let's talk let's talk about hurdles, right? We're, we always on this show we tend to get to barriers and hurdles and those types yeah. of things. So so what are some of the common barriers that sales coaches face mm-hmm. uh, with this stuff? Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about this um, on a few a few other episodes, right? Um, one that always comes to mind is the one we did with Gerard Green from High Spot, where he major talked shout about, out to our friend at Gerard. Yeah. Yep. Gerard's awesome. Um, he talks about these biases that kind of, you know, manifest. What, what do you call them? He called them memes. You, you yeah, he mean? called them memes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's like, you know, he was talking about, it's the one big deal that you lost last quarter. It's the loudest voice in the sales room. And you know, it's the, it's that voice that says, oh, we didn't win because we didn't have this. Right. Or we, we lose because of this. Right. And whether or not there's multiple deals that counter that bias, right. If even though that bias might not be aligned with the data, those biases, they still manifest themselves on go-to-market teams. And I would say, you know, like it's not just overall, like at an organization level that they manifest. I think that each individual rep has biases around why they win and lose as well. Right. And so as a sales coach, I think overcoming those biases, like they, it becomes increasingly important, not only to do that, like on the team, right. But also as you're working with that individual to say, Hey, you know, your buyer's saying that you're doing this and getting the rep to see what they're really doing. So yeah, just overcoming those, those biases. And, and I, I would say that's probably like the number one barrier that sales coaches face. Do you have like a number two or three? I mean, what what other barriers are there? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that the next thing would just be like uncovering who needs coaching and where they need coaching. Right. Like, I think that's half the battle is, is uncovering, you know, where should you spend your efforts as a coach? Um, you know, maybe, maybe reps are struggling against a certain competitor, right. Or maybe they are struggling in a certain, uh, like presentation and demonstration, right. Like that's always lacking. And I think that, you know, um, you can look at different data points. You can look at, you know, win rates and revenue and and things like that. And you can see like, okay, who's performing best, but those overall numbers aren't going to tell you the specifics on where a rep is struggling. So when you're tapping into your buyer feedback, you're able to see those insights on why your buyers are saying that your reps are losing. And that's just going to kind of back up your sales coaching as well. When you're able to use that buyer feedback and say, Hey, this is what your buyers are saying. You know, like what's really happening. Let's talk about this. If you have a weakness in this area, like presentation and demonstration, for example, like let's work on that together. And so I think it. The use of buyer feedback really helps to pinpoint who needs coaching and in what areas they need coaching. Um, And I would say that, you know, the third barrier here would be it's often a struggle in general, but especially in sales coaching to get anyone to internalize feedback, right? Like if they don't necessarily, that's that's not an issue. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If they don't necessarily see the problem, right. Or they don't necessarily believe that they have a problem, right? Like this is just human nature, but we don't want to hear that there's something wrong with the way that we're doing something. It's hard to get reps to internalize sales coaching at times. So I I would say that's another common barrier that that sales coaches face is just, you know, like, okay, you're giving this rep feedback. 
how do you make sure that it sticks? And, and we've talked about this before on the show between the knowing and the doing, you know, how, how do we make sure that that translates over so that the reps internalize it and apply it to their processes? Yeah. Humans uh, really are really good at uh, being change blind, right? So, mm -hmm. um, in fact, I got a quote up here. You don't see the anomaly unless it upsets your desired pursuit. Yeah. And so we don't tend to look for ways to get better until we have enough pain or enough damage, or we're not getting what we want. Then we tend to go start to look. Yes. So internalization is always an issue. Um, so you painted this picture that I want to, I want to just codify in my mind and i and i yeah. love this most sales coaches are also sales managers right especially in yes. smaller sales organizations you've got these sales managers who have reports they got to do they have which means spreadsheets and uh the the uh, aggr aggregation of data across lots of uh, their tech stack that they have to go to all these different tech places to get this information to produce a report on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on a quarterly basis to send up the line to the powers that be, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So they've got a ton of pressure there. They also have to manage people. They have to deal with those things. And oftentimes these sales managers that are also sales coaches also have to sometimes carry their own bag. They yeah. have a number. Yep. And so they have this job that, that people <laughs> are asked to do is extraordinarily painful and difficult. Absolutely it's dynamic, it's moving, it's constantly shifting. Yeah. What you just said was win loss analysis, like looking at buyer feedback can solve two of the biggest problems that these sales uh, coach sales managers face. And that is who do I coach and on yeah. what? Mm -hmm. I love that. Did I understand that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the clarity that comes from that is, is so invaluable. Right. And it's, yeah, it's, it's essentially like telling you where you're going to have the most impact as a sales coach. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. So we've talked about sales coaches and sales managers and why, you know, what, why, why they should care about this, uh, about a buyer feedback. Let's, mm -hmm. let's shift, over, let's shift, lift and shift to, <laughs> um, to why a rep would care, you know, yeah. literally, why would, why do I give a rip if I'm a rep? Like, see what I did right there? Why do I give yeah. a rip if I'm a rep? Okay. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I think, I think maybe the answer would be shorter if we reverse the question and said, you know, why, why should reps not care about buyer feedback? Because I don't think there's an answer there. I think that, you know, these are the people that you're selling to, right? Like if you don't understand their needs and how they are perceiving you as a sales rep and your interactions with them. How can you get better, you know, as a, as a sales rep, how can you win more? Um, I think the buyer feedback really, really makes it personal for the sales rep, right? You're spending, you know, oftentimes hours, weeks, months, sometimes like chasing these prospects, trying to build relationships with them. And I, I kind of liken it to like, <laughs> like almost dating, right? Like you're going out with this person for a long time and then all of a sudden they decide to go with someone else, right? Or they ghost you or whatever happens. It feels like kind of the win-loss analysis side of it, the buyer feedback, you get a little bit of maybe closure on what you did well or what you didn't do well. And you get, you know, kind of that, that feedback um, on what you could be doing better in in the future. And, you know, you don't always get that with dating. Right. But, um, 
you know, I think as, as reps, it's really important to have a realistic pulse on how, how you're performing, right? Because this is your livelihood, right? This is your job. And, um, yeah, I think it, it gives you like a, a clear view into how you're doing. So I love that. And I also love the, the dating analogy. And I had a little bit of PTSD, a little flashback. <laughs> I've been out of the dating game for, for, you know, a couple decades, um, you know, two and a half decades, <laughs> a little over that. And, uh, Oh, I just had some flashbacks, but yeah, <laughs> I think in addition to this, um, let me layer in some thinking from a consulting perspective. Yeah. So, um, I've been helping organizations run win-loss programs now for a, a, quite a while, about six years. Yep. And um, one of the biggest problems that people bump into when they're trying to share the data from win-loss is a, the individual sales rep says, well, that's not me. That's aggregate data. That's not yeah. me. That's not me. That's not mine. Mm -hmm. When you only look at the data in aggregate, right? And when you only look at the data in aggregate, you tend to miss the nuanced complications of the individual's performance and the, um, the individual um, areas of potential improvement. Mm -hmm. We, uh, when we aggregate data, we tend to narrow things, take big ideas and narrow them. When we take aggregate data um, in, in general, but when we are able to aggregate the data for the individual sales rep, we're now painting a picture for that mm -hmm. person. So aggregate data at the rep level is game changing. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes back to this idea of, you know, it makes it personal, right? Like there are so many cases where, you know, I, you go into a sales meeting and they're saying, you know, this is a new thing that we're going to try out based on like what we've seen. Right. And, and this is supposed to help everyone win. I, it's so easy for a rep to say, you know, oh, I, I already do that. Like, you know, I, there, that feedback doesn't apply to me. Like I, I always, you know, respond within 24 hours or I always, you know, I have a great presentation and, um, you know, I, I'm always like understanding the business needs of my buyer or, or whatever it may be. I think that we always want to see ourselves in the best light. Right. And that's why feedback is sometimes, you know, hard to, hard to take or hard to internalize. But yeah, I think getting down to that individual level is, is key. Right. And you can, you can apply that into your, your sales coaching for sure. And, and making sure that your sales coaching is personal, right. Based on this buyer feedback that each rep is getting. So this is like pro tip number four uh, on the day <laughs> uh, for anybody running a win-loss program. If you want to get the most, make sure you get to the rep aggregate, yes. not to the rep individual. So individual deal feedback is really important. It's valuable. It's, it's must have, mm -hmm. but if you're really going to prove something, you need to get some, some, some trends, some pattern around the individual behavior. Yep. One data point, you know, it, it's super, it's super easy to dismiss, but yeah. when you start to see it, what you're saying is when you start to see it over time, Mm -hmm. sales coach can then, you know, help change. Yeah. And it's not to, you know, what's the intention here? What's the output or the result of this? I, I want to talk about this because many sales reps, they look at this and say, okay, you're, you're just hammering on me and no, mm -hmm. absolutely not. That is not the intention of a win-loss program. Here's another, here's another pro tip. Yeah. If you are using your win-loss analysis as a means of berating, belittling, causing coercing, 
somebody to do something different, you need to stop that shit today. Yes. That is, that is absolutely horrific and terrible. And that's wrong. Yeah. Right? And if that's not the right way to do it, what is the right way? What, so, so what are the, the results that we could expect and what's the right way to do this? Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, and I definitely agree with you. I think like a key thing to remember when you are using biofeedback in sales coaching is to not focus on all negative, right? Like you need to have that balance of positive biofeedback and negative biofeedback. Um, so, so you kind of asked two questions. Do you want to go into maybe the results first, or would you like to go into like the tactical things? Like, how do we do this? Yeah. I, maybe we get into the the tactical first and then let's okay. get into the results. And, and you, you started to talk about it, you know, the, the positive yeah. balance between positive and negative, yeah. why that balance? I mean, we we've heard this in the past, but to tell us more about, you know, why this? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, going along with that, right. Using the positive and the negative, right. If you balance those out, I think no one wants to hear that they suck all the time, right? Like they, they want, they need that positive reinforcement as well. So I think, you know, as you are using these direct callouts from the buyer feedback to power your sales coaching and to back up your sales coaching, I think that, you know, using, using both positive and negative is really important. And so that is something that I would do as I'm, you know, working to leverage the buyer feedback, use direct callouts. And if you are a, a primary intelligence customer, you can actually, you know, hear that sentiment and the voice of your buyer if they have done a live interview or uh, the online interview where you're, you can hear the audio, um, which is really impactful, right? It's really impactful for that rep to, to hear um, after that deal has been closed, won or lost, right? Like, what is that buyer saying about me, right? And um, so I would definitely use those those direct callouts uh, from buyer feedback. And I think too, using those direct callouts, like there's this interpersonal dynamic that happens sometimes between sales coaches and sales reps, right? There's an existing relationship there. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But I think that you could argue that it impacts the quality of coaching that a sales rep receives, right? So when you are using these direct callouts from buyer feedback or insights from buyer feedback, you're offsetting any interpersonal relationship that might be going on between a sales coach and a sales rep, right? Um, and you're able to get down to a true like what is going on? Why did I win or lose this deal? What um, what am I actually doing in my sales process that is impacting this deal outcome? So, using those direct callouts, I think can you know not only just show the rep like, hey, this is what your buyers are saying, right? It's it's inarguable. Like this is this is what it is. But it also kind of offsets that relationship a little bit more to make sure that your sales rep is getting the most quality, quality coaching. Yeah. So. And when you say, when you say quality coaching, I think, I think what you, what you're saying here is, um, the qual, the quality of the coaching is to help them get better. Exactly. Um, yeah. People don't get better when all you do is browbeat them. 
right? Yeah. It, it's like the that that old adage. What does it go? It goes, uh, the the beatings will continue until morale improves, right? <laughs> so like like that, that doesn't work. That, it doesn't. That, that's yeah. Antiquated management. It's terrible. And if you're doing mm-hmm. that, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. I mean, it's yeah. it it's really it's really problematic that way. Yeah. So I think you know, as far as as tactics are concerned, um, you know, we kind of mentioned this before in the in the episode, but getting being able to see trends, right? Um, both at kind of the overall rep level on the individual rep level um, for your entire team, I think is really important. And the way to do that is to analyze more deals, right? Um, so whether they're wins, losses, no decisions, you should be looking at all of those and trying to analyze as many deals as possible. Um, and you know, not every deal is going to warrant an interview, right? Those are a live phone interview, right? Those are more likely going to be saved for, you know, like really specific deals that meet certain criteria and, and things like that. But I think that running the analysis on all the deals that you possibly can, that is going to give you a holistic and complete view into your deal universe and what is going on with your wins and losses. And those those insights are going to become so rich over time, right? You're going to be able to see those trends because you're analyzing all the deals for a particular rep. You have all of this, all of this feedback for that specific sales rep. So as a sales coach, I can look at that rep's deals. I can look at all the buyer feedback. I can see trends. I can pull from multiple deals, right? So that eliminates any of this whole like, oh, that's not my data, not my problem, right? That a, a rep might say like, this is specific to their buyers. And if you're seeing a trend, in multiple deals, you can take that to your rep and say, Hey, you know, I, I see that you're struggling in, um, understanding business needs. Like that's something that your buyers are saying that they don't really feel like you're performing well in, right. How can I, as a coach support you? Like, let's go through this training, right. Let's create this playbook. Um, so I think, you know, analyzing more deals, getting more of those data points is really going to empower you as a coach and also empower your sales rep to create a better buying experience for your buyers. And so I want to talk a little bit more about like this looking at wins, losses, and no decisions, right? Because some, some people running win loss, they'll only look at wins, right? Or they're only going to look at losses, right? I think it's, it's really important to analyze all different deal outcomes, right? And the reason being is I, your wins are going to tell you good things, but they may also tell you bad things. And your losses might tell you bad things, but they're also going to tell you good things, right? And your no decisions, you know, those those are going to tell you good and bad things, but they're also going to tell you which deals are even still on the table, right? So as a sales coach, right, if I'm looking at a no decision analysis and I'm saying, oh my gosh, like this person is truly a no decision. They have not moved on to another vendor. Here's the feedback. As a sales coach, that's an opportunity for me to get with that sales rep and say, hey, what's the play here, Right. What, what playbook can we implement? How can we move forward with this deal with this prospect and overcome the buyer's indecision, which listeners, if any of you guys have not listened to our masterclass with Matt Dixon, please go listen to that. He talks about like some really, really tactical things on overcoming customer and buyer indecision. But I mean, this is Matt this is, is Matt the, is like the bomb. I that yeah. Matt Dixon. We have not only do we have the masterclass, we also have that other episode. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I'll, I'll link the episode down below, but yeah, there's, he goes through a whole methodology on how you can, it's awesome. You know, it's like a whole playbook. So when you do analyze those no decisions though, like you're able to empower your reps to change that no decision from a no decision to a win. So, so yeah, I think, you know, exploring those trends, the strengths and weaknesses in those different deal outcomes, right. Wins, losses, and no decisions. I think that's really important. Maybe some low hanging fruit here for, for sales coaches is looking at those sales experience insights, right? So this is, you know, for anyone who maybe isn't running a program with us, um, sales experience insights, they refer to anything a sales rep has control over, right? Within, within the sales process, right? So it could be responsiveness. It could be the knowledge of the industry, of the prospect. How well does the sales rep resolve all my concerns, right? Like the product knowledge, different things like that, that a sales rep has, has more control over. As a sales coach, when you're looking at these different insights um, for sales experience, you know, you're able to coach your reps on things that they actually have control over, right? And so I think that's really important, really, really important to look at in your win-loss analysis and your buyer feedback is, you know, what's my buyer saying that my rep can actually like change today, right? So I, I think that's that's really important as well. Okay. Great. Yeah. So we have tactical, what have you's kind of in the back. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the output. So if you're, let's say you're new, right? So yeah. for those listeners that might be new to win loss analysis, running a program, what kind of results should you, should people ex expect of yeah. a program? And I'm not just talking about the data. Don't tell me you're going to get data. Don't, don't, I mean, <laughs> right. I know you're not, but it's yes. not about the data. Stop thinking about the data by itself. Who cares yeah. about the data? It's about the what? Tell me mm -hmm. more. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when you're using the buyer feedback and sales coaching, I think there's a lot of like really, really great things that are going to come of that. Right. I think the most obvious is probably, you know, increased win rates, right. And revenue, right. When you're, when you're able to coach and empower your reps, they're going to win more, right. That's, that's what this is all about. Um, I think, you know, as part of that more accurate sales forecast, right. As you're able to kind of like see these trends and wins and losses and, and you're able to kind of tell like, okay, what's more likely to become a win. How can, how can my reps, um, win more, you know, it's going to help you to, to better predict that. But I think something that's really underrated as far as, you know, leveraging buyer feedback and sales coaching is this increase and this, this idea of sales confidence, mm. right. Um, and that's really what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to empower that frontline sales rep to sell better, right? To create a better buying experience. And, and Ryan, I know you and I have talked about sales confidence and, and your team actually does reporting on sales confidence in relation to, you know, win-loss analysis. And I think, you know, the stat we were talking about was something like over 70% of reps don't feel confident when selling against competitors. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Uh, that's the, the single area of greatest, um, uh, or most weak confidence is yeah. around competitive intelligence, anything competitive mm -hmm. intelligence, pricing, sales, tactic, product, any of it, uh, competitive intelligence is their, their, their greatest weakness. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, as we, as we think about how we can leverage buyer feedback and sales coaching, like that is something that back to this idea of like truth, right? Like your, your sellers are getting a true, 
a true perception, you know, based on your buyer's perception of why they're winning and losing. And they can identify those areas of improvement to help them help them win more, the areas that they need to build confidence in. And maybe, you know, on the other hand, maybe they're really confident in their presentation and demonstration. But when the buyer feedback comes back, they don't do so well there, right? And I think it kind of, it's a, a reality check or, or kind of a benchmark on how reps are really performing. And I think as a sales coach, you're able to take that information and empower your reps to win more. Yeah. <clears throat> we, the, the area where reps are most confident is in their own skill set, right? Mm -hmm. So I am most confident in my own skill and I'm least confident understanding what's happening with the competitor. Yeah. Uh, what, what the interesting thing is, uh, here's just a total side note. We have, we, re we've recognized that high performing sales reps typically internalize first, um, and want that feedback. So typically mm -hmm. the, the reps that have the most difficult time internalizing are the ones that are trying to hide, um, the ones that are can really self they're, they're really worried about their performance, but don't know what to do with it. Have fear of losing job or losing face with yeah. their boss. So it's the, the, the highest performing reps are the ones that, um, they might believe that they have powerful Prezo demos, right? Powerful yeah. presentations, but when they get the feedback, they internalize it first. They don't poop. I'm going to use one of my favorite terms, poo poo it. They, yeah. <laughs> they don't dismiss it. Right. They, they don't immediately just shelf it and say, well, that was the other person. No, they internalize it and try and get yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I think I, and I, I want to kind of unpack something that you just said, because I think this is another kind of underrated um, piece of using buyer feedback and sales coaching, right? Because the quality of your, your coaching will improve, right? Like you're going to be able to pinpoint those areas and create, you know, coaching opportunities for your reps. Right. So I think something that's, that's a little bit underrated is like the improved job satisfaction of your reps right? Like every rep is trying to win. And there's this, there's this motivation behind why they're trying to win, right? It, it could be commission. It could be to provide for their family. It could be, you know, for the, like their own kind of, I, I want to win because I want to feel successful, or they might be wanting to go on a vacation or, you know, buying a new car, whatever their reason for winning is, it feels good to win this improve this idea of improved job satisfaction right like as a coach if you're able to help your rep win more they're not going to want to leave their job right they're going to feel good where they are they're going to feel like they um, are able to grow in their position and just you know win more so i think that improved job satisfaction is something that's really underrated and, and an underrated benefit of sales coaching in general right like as a sales coach you have the opportunity to help your reps enjoy their job and to, yeah, to win. So another thing that I think is a, a benefit, but maybe people don't think about as often is customer retention. So, so follow me here. Okay. So when a rep closes a deal, close one, right? We, in True Voice, in our platform, we actually mark that as a strong win or a weak win, right? And that buyer feedback, I think, can be applied throughout different parts of the customer journey. So, for example, if it's a weak win, maybe there were some concerns that weren't necessarily resolved, but that buyer still went with you, right? I think that that is a great opportunity 
to ensure that your handoff and your implementation go incredibly smoothly, right? So I think, at, you know, as a sales rep, as a sales coach, you know, as you're working with these other teams that are going to be involved with this customer, I think that that is a great place to, you know, share share that feedback. But what I really want to talk about is this idea of, you know, renewal, upsell, cross-sell, different things like that, because those are still, you know, sales, right? And whether that renewal is done by the original sales rep or it's done by the CSM or they bring in, you know, some other AE, you know, type position to do it. I think that original buyer feedback can give incredible insights to this this renewal deal that you're working on or an upsell or a cross-sell, right? Your buyers are going to tell you things about their experience, what they liked, what they didn't like, any concerns that they had, right? And I think that it's really important to take that original feedback and make sure that, you know, throughout the implementation, the customer experience, those needs are met. But then when you're going into these additional sales on this one account, you're applying that you are, you know, creating playbooks to ensure that the buying experience is going to be great and that you're meeting those buyer needs. So I think that's, that's maybe something that a lot of people don't think about, right. Is using this buyer feedback throughout the entire customer journey. Um, I think that's, that's really important as well. So yes, but to your point, buyers are always buyers. If yeah. you think you've, you, Hey, they're here. It's not like you're married. You know, it's not like, right. you know, they can bounce it. Well, gosh, I guess you could bounce for marriage as well, but you can <laughs> bounce at any time. You can lose a customer yeah. at any time. In fact, if you're not continually looking to win over the customer, you are likely continually losing the customer. Yeah. And so you, you got it. I love that, Johnny. That's mm -hmm. a brilliant idea. Okay. So we've talked about a, a lot of stuff and for mm -hmm. listeners, I hope you were taking very copious notes because there was a lot in this episode. Let's boil it down to a starting point. If you had one piece of advice for our listeners uh, on, on how to leverage buyer feedback and sales coaching, what what's the one thing? Give us one. Yeah, it's a good question. I think I think I would say don't underestimate the power that the voice of your buyer has on your win rates. I think that oftentimes uh, when people are running win-loss analysis, right, they forget who this is really uh, meant to impact, right? And that is the frontline sales rep, right? They are the ones who are creating buying experiences with your buyer. They are the one resolving concerns. They are the ones uh, facilitating the purchase, right? And I think that sometimes in loss analysis, we get so caught up in the reports and the like the analytics, the, the insights and things like that, that we forget the actual application of why we are running these programs, right? And I think that, you know, as you're able to enable your sales reps to win more, you also enable your buyers to purchase, Right. And so I guess that that would be my my final piece of advice is just don't don't underestimate the power of your voice, the voice of your buyer and the impact that it can have um, down to your frontline reps. So, Johnny, this was fun. Thanks. Thanks for letting <laughs> me pull you out from behind the camera. Oh, yeah. From behind the scenes to give us your, you know, give us your insights and your expertise for to the listeners around some great very tactical pro tips on, <laughs> on how to get more from your, your win loss analysis. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. And listeners, 
For more information on how you can leverage buyer feedback, check out the show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast, and we'll see you next time.